Chances are, if you were to open up a children's Bible, you wouldn't see this story in it. It sounds a little bit something like from The Walking Dead and not so much from Scripture. In the beginning, Scripture tells us that God formed man from the dust of the ground. The Hebrew word for ground is Adama. And Adam, or Adam, was the first man was formed from the Adama, or the ground. So Adam is named after the ground. Adam is named after the dirt. The psalmist says, we are but dust. We come from the ground. We come from the dirt. But in the beginning of all things, God took this dust from the ground and he made ground man, Adam. And God breathed into ground man's nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God's breath makes the dirt come alive. Incredible. How often do you pay attention to your breathing? As many of you know, I have a baby daughter who's nine, mo- nine months old. Yesterday, actually. She was the one screaming in the back of the service and the one screaming through most of the night last night. But when Nora was born, many of you know this because you were praying for us, she had breathing issues, respiratory issues. After 18 hours of labor, that was especially tiring for me, Sarah can see me in the cry room. (laughs) Nora came into this world. But when she was born, something wasn't right. Sarah and I were first confused when an intensive care medical team came into the room right before she was delivered. And when Nora came, she wasn't crying, and that was... Strange, because in every movie I had ever seen, the babies are always crying, and we know that movies always tell the truth. So that's where I get most of my information. But it just felt like it wasn't right. She wasn't crying. She was just grunting and grasping for air. I watched this medical team begin to work on her while Sarah was still in the bed, Nora's color was off, kind of this grayish purple. She was slow moving. Her limbs weren't moving very fast. Her lungs had failed to open up properly, and she was rushed to the NICU just moments after she was born. We didn't even get to hold her. And her first five days of life were spent in the NICU learning how to breathe on her own. We cannot live without the breath of life. Breathing. 
It's the first thing we check to make sure someone's alive. Are they breathing? We humans are so very fragile. We come from the dust of the ground. We are so dependent upon the breath in our lungs. On average, a person takes about 16 to 20 breaths per minute. That means we breathe over 900 breaths an hour, over 23,000 breaths a day, over 8 million breaths a year. Our bodies receive over 90% of our energy from breathing. Energy that we don't always fully tap into. And studies have shown us that the more we learn how to control our breathing, the more we are equipped to handle stress and anger, sadness, and even injury. The Hebrew word for breath is ruach. Now everyone say that together. Ruach. And let this room be filled with breath. The word also means spirit or wind. The spirit of God is God's ruach. God's wind. God's breath. When God created humanity, God put his ruach, his spirit breath, in each and every one of you. The divine breath is what gives us life. Life cannot exist without ruach, God's ruach. This word ruach appears over 10 times in our scripture this morning. Ezekiel was a priest during one of the darkest times in Israel's history. In 587 BC, the Babylonians came and absolutely shattered. They destroyed the people of God. Jerusalem was captured. Their land was taken away. Many people were killed or kidnapped. And the temple, God's temple, was destroyed. Ezekiel was one of the many who was kidnapped and carried off to Babylon. In fact, the entirety of his ministry will occur in exile. In the midst of this utter hopelessness, God brings this vision to Ezekiel. This vision that Jason just read for us. We read in verse 1 that the Ruach, the spirit breath of the Lord, brings Ezekiel to the valley of death, a valley filled with dry bones. And as Ezekiel is led around the bones, God asks him, mortal, can these bones live? Ezekiel gives what I would count a very safe answer. Lord God, you know which is probably where we get the answer, God knows. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause a breath. 
I will cause a ruach to enter, and these bones shall live. Ezekiel begins to speak, and the bones start to come together. Sinews and flesh come upon them. Skin covers them. But these lifeless bodies have no ruach yet. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy a second time. God says, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O Ruach, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Ezekiel prophesies as God commands, and the breath enters these resurrected bodies, and they come back to life. The Spirit of God, God's Ruach, brings the dry bones back to life. Ezekiel's vision is a message for God's people. The bones represent Israel at this time. Defeated, broken, and hopeless. God speaks of this ruach, this spirit breath, that will recreate his people, that will resurrect this nation. We first encounter God's spirit in the first sentence of the Bible. In the beginning we read, When God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while God's ruach swept over the face of the waters. God's Spirit creates, brings order out of chaos. God's Spirit brings life. And when all is lost, when you say, I am cut off as Israel did, God's Spirit responds with hope. Our text this morning is about hope in the midst of hopelessness. Mortal. Can these bones live? Bones, let alone dry bones, are as far from being alive as possible. You will never see a doctor give CPR to a skeleton. Unless you're watching Grey's Anatomy because that show is ridiculous. (laughs) But the grotesque imagery out of our text this morning is designed to help us understand just how incredibly dire this situation was for Israel. They're not just freshly dead. They are dry bones dead. That's how bad this is. And God's spirit, friends, is found to be at work in that dark place. God's spirit brings Ezekiel to a place that is filled with death and despair. A place that would actually be religiously unclean for Ezekiel to be in the first place. He's not supposed to be around dead bodies. And here he is. God's leading him through this muck of death and destruction. And God is right there. Can these bones live? If you're going through something dark right now, If you're going through something very dark 
right now? Do you honestly think that God is not there with you? Of course God is. It's never too dark. It's never too unclean enough. You're never so far gone that God is not right there saying, there is hope. Where do you need God's Spirit to bring newness and hope? In your life, where do you need hope? This morning, we're starting a new sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And over the next few months, we're going to be studying what the Bible has to teach us about God's Spirit. We'll be studying here in Sunday mornings and in our adult Sunday school class. But hear, hear this now. These are not theoretical conversations we're having about the Holy Spirit. We are making as a church a renewed commitment to understand God's Spirit and to participate with what God wants to do in this church, in this community, in this city. God wants to bring a message of newness, of freshness, and hope. That's why we're studying about the Holy Spirit. Because if we learn all about it, but it doesn't change and impact our lives, then what are we doing? These are not just theoretical conversations. Perhaps one of the most incredible attributes of God's Spirit is how the Ruach of God moves in us as individuals and as one large community. We all breathe the divine spirit breath, but God's spirit is often poured upon communities. The dry bones in our text represent the people of God, Israel. In John, Jesus breathes on his group of disciples as they receive the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured upon the church, God's people. The Holy Spirit loves to build community, and relationships. The Holy Spirit wants to see us flourish in our relationships, in our community. Often experiencing God's Spirit and the fruit of God's Spirit happens when we are in community. Jesus says, when two or three gather in my name, I am there among them. Friends, if we want to be a Jesus-centered church, a church that is spirit-filled, we need to continue to be a church that values connection. But not just any kind of connection, connection in the name of Jesus Christ. For there he is in our midst. Our scripture this morning depicts Ezekiel as participating in every step of the Holy Spirit's work. Now, if you think about it, God could simply just bring these bones back to life on his own. This is God we're talking about. But what does God do? God chooses Ezekiel to participate in every phase of this strange vision. God wants to see us all 
step in, participate, not just watch. We often wonder why bad things happen, why there is darkness, why is there hopelessness. And we walk through life seeing the hopelessness of others, and we often fail to participate. We fail to step in. We fail to bring the hope that we know about. And many of us may wonder, well, why doesn't God do anything about that? But what if God is simply waiting on us to do something with him about it? Christianity has never been a spectator sport. The Holy Spirit invites us. The Holy Spirit is longing for us to join into the work of recreation. God is saying, let's build something together. God wants us to participate because God wants us. Period. Listen to God's heart in Ezekiel 37, verses 27 and 28. I will bless my people and multiply them. I will set my sanctuary among them forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. God wants to set up his sanctuary with us forever. It's like when one of your in-laws wants to move in, except it's a good thing. God wants to place his house right in the middle of our lives. And friends, this isn't the kind of house that we think of when royalty comes, like like at the White House that is closed off and removed and you can't get to it. God wants to put it at the center of the people. God wants us to have access to him. For the Lord says, my father's house has many rooms. God wants us. The creator who got down in the mud to play like a kid in the sandbox. The creator who who formed ground man from the dirt and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The same breath that flows through your lungs right now. That creator wants you. What if God gave us breathing so that we could discover him? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 14 that God gave us the Holy Spirit breath as a down payment toward our redemption. The divine breath that is in you is a down payment toward your redemption. It's the first payment, the first installment, promising what will certainly come. What if God gave us breath so we could discover him? What if starting fresh with God was as simple as slowing down and breathing? 
God chooses the seemingly ordinary things in life to reach out to us. When we eat bread, we can think about the body of Christ. When we use water to wash ourselves, we can think about baptism and repentance. And when we breathe, we can think about God's ruach that dwells in each and every one of us. We take over 23,000 breaths a day. That's over 23,000 moments for us to connect with God. When God appeared to Moses in the form of a burning bush, God told Moses to go back to Egypt in order to rescue the Israelites. And Moses said, well, if they ask me, what is the name of this God who's sending me? What should I tell them, God? What is your name? God said, tell them that the Lord sent you. Now this name, the Lord, which is capitalized L-O-R-D, that is repeated over and over again, over 6,000 times in Scripture, we usually see it in that form in our English translations. Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. But in Hebrew, this name that God gives Moses is just four Hebrew letters. Yod, He, Va, He. Some pronounce it as Yahweh or Yahweh. In some faith traditions, the name isn't even spoken because it's considered so sacred, so special, so holy. Just to say it, you don't even say it because it's that important. The ancient rabbis believed that these letters, which essentially function as vowels, were actually breathing sounds. And the name of the Lord is ultimately unpronounceable. The vowels that make up the name of the Lord are breathing sounds? Yod, he, va, he. So you're telling me the first and the last thing we do as humans when we take a breath is utter the name of the Lord? We take over 23,000 breaths a day. Could we be saying the name of the Lord 23,000 times a day and not even know it? Could God have given us breathing so we could discover him? Breathe deep and may you become increasingly aware of God's ruach that dwells in you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, may God bless you as you give.
sky too. 